Hey, Chris. Yo. Do you need a heart transplant? Not right now. Oh, okay. So we're not popping the top on uh, that yeah. one? Yeah. Okay. Pop a top on this. <laughs> Cue the music. There's a war going down. Put your shield and your armor on. There's a war going down. Put your shield and your armor on. Pick up your sword, gather your strength from the only one. Pick up your sword, gather your strength from the holy one. What's up, guys and gals? I'm Carl. I'm Micah. I'm Sonny. And I'm Chris. And you're listening to another episode of Digging Deeper, a Bible study series brought to you by Broken Record Ministries. So good. You set the level <laughs> for us. Why do golfers wear two pairs of pants? I didn't know they did, but. I do. They, they really do? Yeah. It's in case they get a hole in one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love it when I get a genuine reaction. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is. Yeah, yeah. there it is. <laughs> Low bar. We found yeah. it. So this week we're going to start a new uh, study series that I'm calling "Being Renewed." We'll be digging into Ephesians chapter four, but before we drop the but before we drop the needle on that, tongue tied there. Goodness, it's not a good start. It's on your mind, guys. Let's chase some rabbits. Awesome. Look straight at Chris because he said he had nothing this week, so I'm going to put him on the spot. <laughs> well, the full disclaimer, uh, as as you might be able to hear halfway through the podcast, is the temperature has dropped here. So that means the heat got turned on at the house, which means allergies is right around the corner. So I'm sniffling, so I'm going to try not to, but... I love how you gave an example of sniffling uh-huh. for everybody to hear. In case you didn't know what yeah. it sounds like. This is what a sniffle is. But the good thing about it is, is now we have the separate track, so you can edit most of that well, out. I can't edit that one out now. It's part of the shtick. Pressure's on now. Right, right. So, yeah. I mean, there's a couple yeah, a couple of things in the fire, but nothing that's nothing I've actually like formed a, a thought around. Um, the, if I had to pick one thing out this week, I had a conversation with somebody and it was more, more or less, um, taking a stand, you know, drawing a a definitive line in the sand. Um, and the, the topic that we brought up was kind of, a uh, it's a hot button topic. It was abortion. And I used to be on the, well, you know, I, I can see it in this instance and I, you know, I was always rode the fence, you know, never really taking a stand one way or the other. And I don't know, at some point in time I got real convicted about it and it was just one of those things that I'm like, you know, we can argue about it all you want to and we can have conversations all you want to about it, but you're not going to change my mind. Abortion's murder, period. You know, come at me if you want. I'm okay with that. Cause that's what, you know, when you take a stand like that, it, uh, you know, you're, you're open, you're leaving yourself open to people coming after you. Right. And, uh, of course that person did, they didn't like me saying that, but I'm like, this is what it is. This is what I, this is what I feel. This is what I know. This is what, you know, is right. And I think that's important that we take those stances against things that, 
you know, at some point we were, at least for me, I, I want to say I was wishy-washy on that. So, but again, I kind of, I was wanting to bring a little bit more to the table than just saying that's what happened. But, you know, that's kind of what's been, been on my mind is taking that stance so, or a stance. So that's, that's all I got. I think that's the problem kind of today with some Christians as we are too wishy-washy on most things or a lot of things. And that leads to compromise. We were talking in our Bible study last night and we were going through second Corinthians chapter four, kind of been unpacking that, that passage, but it got brought up about David when he goes against the, goes up against the Goliath. I mean, David had no intentions of going against Goliath. I, I don't believe. I don't either. I, I think, I mean, he was there to deliver food to his brothers until, and it's listed, I think four or five times, maybe more than that, that Goliath defied the name of the Lord God. And that's when he makes that famous statement, is there not a cause? And I think mm-hmm. there is time for us as believers to rally together as a body of believers and and stand for the cause of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think there's there are issues that are very clear in the scriptures that, that we do take those, those stands. Right. I'm glad. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I just agreed. It was, a, uh-huh. <laughs> all right. I'm glad you, I'm glad, I'm glad you said that. Cause that's kind of also the, the, uh, another, another thing that I would do on the same subject is I just wouldn't say anything at all. Yeah. I'd hear a conversation and I'd, I'd just shake my head and in my heart, I'm like, that's so wrong and so evil. But then I'm just, Better not to get involved. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's a lot of times to where and the wishy-washiness comes from not having knowledge of the scripture. You know, they don't have anything mm-hmm. to back it up with. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That comes with, you know, being able to go to a certain verse or, you know, a certain chapter or a cer- certain book and being able mm-hmm. to say, hey, this is where that's wrong. You know, that a lot of Christians, they don't, I mean, I was one of them. You know, I considered myself as a Christian, but I couldn't tell you a single Bible verse for Mm -hmm. many, many years. But I still believed, you know, but I just didn't put it forth the effort to get into the book and, you know, actually study. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, also, too, I think there's a good, there's something to be said about just, knowing you feel a certain way and, and, and that's, that's, a, you know, on the onset of most of those conversations with people, I always tell them, I'm like, look, I'll sit here and talk with you if you want to, till the cows come home about it until you get hateful. Yeah. If you want to sit there and have a conversation with me and tell you, tell you my, and tell have you, have you tell me your views and me listen to you, I'll do that. But I'm going to tell you, you're not going to change my mind at the end of the day. And we're only going to have a conversation until you get hateful. And nine times out of 10, that's where those conversations end mm-hmm. is they run out of facts or they run out of reasons to, for how they feel. And then they've not changed your mind. So, oh, well, you're just stupid or you're, or you're uneducated. I think we get browbeat because mm-hmm. a lot of people might not be able to come up with those verses, but that still doesn't change the fact that that's what you believe. That's what you feel in your heart is right. That's something to be said about just standing up for that. Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to some, some people yesterday, kind of, they were talking about some Orthodox Jews that they had run across 
and how they behaved sort of differently. And the, the conversation was sort of, just say it, they were kind of mocking them really like for the way they, the, the way they practiced their faith and how outward they were and stuff. And I'm like thinking to myself, they're set apart though. You knew what they were, didn't you? That's the problem with us. We compromise so much that you can't tell the difference between when you walk out of church, nine times out of 10, you can't tell the difference between a Christian and an atheist. There's, there's very little that distinguishes us because we compromise so much to make ourselves comfortable. Some things that really concern me when I, when I look at the body of believers and compromise is one of the biggest things that concerns me, this negative view that we take about the, the commandments of God, which leads to a negative view of the people that protect those commandments, like the Orthodox Jews. I'm not saying they do it perfect. They add a lot. They add a lot that they shouldn't, but they guard the commands. So we have a negative view of them, and that leads to a negative view of the lawgiver. Mm. I'm seeing a lot of signs of that. We'll get into that as we get further into this this being renewed study, but that concerns me greatly. And I'm seeing a lot of signs of where that's leading. And it's leading to a lot of lawlessness and a lot of licentiousness. It's, it's leading to, to a rise of some of the things that the, the first century authors in the New Testament were, were talking about creeping into the church of, mm-hmm. of abusing his grace and using it as a license to sin. I'm seeing that a lot. And, and like I say, it's turning to mocking those who have this clear cut, distinguished, you know, mm-hmm. d- distinguishing line between right and wrong. And like, that's some sort of bad thing, you know, like standing out on, on moral lines is a negative when it's, it's a biblical thing. It's throughout the text. He tells us to take a stand. Right. Kind of funny. You mentioned that I just, I think just yesterday, Steph put on a, um, uh, a sermon from Tony Evans, I think. And he was talking about that, taking a stand in the Greek, the Greek in there and how it's, you know, being an immovable wall. It's like, it's like, you know, a, a military force. Moving forward and not retreating, mm-hmm. not giving ground. That's that's what that that word picture. Greek is very heavily influenced with military word picture and sporting word picture. Like I read one time that something like ninety percent of all Greek words in, in ancient Greek was based upon either military language or sporting language of some kind, like a, a Olympic type language. And mm-hmm. when you when you come to that, take a stand word. It's 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 very militaristic. Yep. You don't retreat. You don't turn your back. You don't give ground. And that's what we're told to do, to take a stand on the word of God and to not give ground. Yeah. And I don't see a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so, I mean, in, in that instance, the, the argument always is, well, you know, it's, it's none of my concern and it doesn't, it doesn't affect my life. And, and it's, it's just one of those things that it's like, but that doesn't mean you're not allowed to have a an opinion on it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's just it was it was a really eye opening conversation, and uh, the person that I the person that I had it with was you know was pretty open about uh, you know hearing both sides of it as I was. So it was a good conversation, but it was one of those things that just kind of it reminded me of you know like uh, I lived so long with just being wishy washy about so many things and. And uh, the importance of taking a stand. So, what's been on your mind, Micah? Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> is that a big can? It is. I think um, you know, God has me in a waiting period at the moment, and I don't like it. <laughs> you know, we don't like the we don't like to wait. You know, and I think. I'm growing in a different way than I've grown before. And so that's, it's kind of a different aspect for me. Normally 
I'm used to hearing from God and hearing, and it's not that God's not speaking to me. It's not, I don't mean that, but it seems like he has me in this waiting, waiting period where kind of like we talked about last week where we talked about Daniel, where he was used to getting the answers right away. And then now that there's a 21 day period where he's, and I think that's part of why that spoke to me so much because I feel like that's kind of where, where I am right now. And so it's a struggle. It's, it's, it's hard to be in that waiting mode where, you know, we talk about the, and I hate preachers that do this, but we talk about the old and new Testament and we call it the 400 years of silence. Well, it's not silence. I mean, are we really thinking that God didn't do anything for 400 years? just because it's not recorded to us. I mean, of course not. He's been working all throughout history and then, you know, he doesn't just go silent and go dark for, for the, for a period of time, but he does um, allow us to wait and process. You know, you think of Samuel, you know, when Samuel heard from God, mm-hmm. they hadn't had direct revelation from, from God in a long time. And here Samuel hears the voice of, of the Lord and he runs to Eli. And of course, do we know that story, right? Eli says, next time you hear that voice, you, Say, speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. And so it's that waiting, that waiting game, waiting, waiting on on, on the Lord on on what's next. You know, you think you have a direction, you think you have a have it planned out, and then things adjust and shift. And it's like, okay, well, what then what really is the direction? <laughs> and so yeah. that, that's kind of where where I mean there's a lot of things, but that's that's probably the main thing right now is kind of waiting to Again, and, and it's not that I'm not hearing from God. It's just I'm hearing from Him in a different way. Mm-hmm. Trying which, to adjust. Which is, yeah, which is which is unusual for me because I grew up in church. I mean, I, I grew up, you know, safe. Fam- Mom and Dad took us to church, so I've been around church all my life, and so I'm used to, you know, studying and hearing from God and hearing Him work and talking to Him, and and so so I'm just in a little bit for the first time in my walk with God. I'm in a little bit different area. Than, than that. Well, it's hard too, because, you know, when he puts you in that period, it's really easy for the enemy to step in and make you feel like his presence isn't there. Yes. There's something I read a, a few days ago and it really struck me hard that, you know, when we're happy, we feel his presence. When we're sad, we feel his presence. But when we don't feel anything, it's really easy to think, well, his presence isn't there. But his presence isn't a feeling, it's a fact. Exactly. You know, we've really got to get our mind around that, that his presence is always with us, regardless of what we feel. And we can't let our feelings lie to us because they will. Emotions will lie to you. Yeah. So. Absolutely. That's hard. I hate waiting too. Yeah. Despise it with a passion. Right. Do you think that, oh, go ahead. Okay. I was going to say, I've been pretty much smacked in the face <laughs> by him here lately. <laughs> he keeps just beating me over the head. Uh, you know, I, I was actually going to talk about uh, or, you know, kind of bring up, you know, hearing from God, mm. you know, just being able to, I guess, conscience, conscience, consciously, <laughs> being able to see when God's talking to you and to be able to, um, you know, is it God leading you the right way or is it the devil trying to lead you the wrong way? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, how do you figure that out? I mean, um, but the thing, the only thing that I can feel is whenever God's speaking to me, there's peace within, like it's peaceful doesn't matter even if it's uh, something traumatic, something, uh, 
something that should set you off or something that's like you're just like holy crap like what, what is going on you know but uh i've had some stuff going on here lately and um it it's it's put me in a position to where things are going to have to change and um um God has been beating me over the head with the same thing over and over and over. And I just haven't been listening and, uh, it's kind of hindered my walk a little bit, not as of my studying or it's just mental, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, um, you know, I've been hearing from God that, Hey, you're kind of going down the same path, except for just not as bad. You know, you uh, you need to to latch on to me, and not things of this world or people. And uh, I've been putting more time and more effort and more uh, just into things. I mean, I'm material things and people. And uh, God has really put His foot down and been like, "Hey, I'm right here." come back over, come back home. And, um, it's been, it's been a little tough to, to try to figure out, you know, because I'm always used to doing kind of things my way mm-hmm. and, you know, and, you know, I keep saying, you know, I'm learning, I'm, I'm, I'm learning the way that God wants me to be. So with that said, <laughs> I've always learned the hard way <laughs> and, and he knows that. And so he's been really, really, uh, putting himself out there for me, you know, just over and over and over again to see the same way. And, uh, you know, and, you know, I'm really trying not to, to turn my back on him this time or try to go my own way or, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, it's been, it's been kind of rough, but, um, at yet I'm not, you know, I'm not running to any kind of mind altering substances. I'm not running to different people for different things, or I'm not doing the same things that I used to do. You know, I was, I was a heathen for a lot of years and, uh, I used everything of this world to try to numb my pain or numb my, my mindset or anything else like that. And, you know, now it's, I go to scripture and try to figure it out or I hit up a buddy that's also a Christian and saying, Hey, Hey man, I need a little, little conscious help here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, this, this past week is, has kind of took its toll on me, but yet, uh, really opened my eyes to some things. So, but I, I completely agree with, with you on, you know, just trying to show a different way and God's, God's been battling with me on speaking to me. And, you know, I don't know if a lot of people end up hearing from God the same ways or not. I think it's different with everybody. I think so too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I you think know. it's different depending on situation and circumstance. Absolutely. Cause yeah. you know, sometimes when he speaks, it won't be a warm, fuzzy feeling inside. Sometimes it's, it'll be, it'll be tough. It'll be painful. And 
sometimes he'll even allow spiritual attack to redirect us. Yeah. You know, he is sovereign. So if it comes into our world, it's, it's because he allowed it. You know what I mean? And I think right. when he allows something like that, very often it's either to refine us or to test us or to redirect us in some way because we're not letting them get our attention any other way. Unfortunately, I know I've been guilty of that recently. <laughs> so, yeah, and that's, yeah, exactly. He brings situations into your path and there's, there's an incident a few weeks ago that I, I probably won't, I never should, haven't shared it with anybody, but it's an incident a few weeks ago and it just scared me almost, you know, it just, gave the realization that there is spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. It's just that mm-hmm. realization that I'd seen something that I hadn't seen in a long time. And I think that's part of where I am now. It kind of threw me for, for a loop and then there's other circumstances, but you're right. And God, God is speaking to us mm-hmm. and he still is, you know, I can, I can list instances. My, my new grandson, um, he was born seven weeks early. There's a good possibility that he may come home this week. And so we're seeing God at work. It's not that I'm not seeing God work or yeah. acknowledging that God's presence is there, but it's just working in a, in a, in a different, in a different way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So. And in all reality, times have changed, Yes, you know, yeah. and I think right now times are changing so quickly that everything's even, I mean, God already knows you know, what's going on and everything, but he's having to adapt mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. you know, or adapt us, should I say? Yeah. I think that's the right way to put it. Yeah. <clears throat> adapt us to the new way. I mean, it's, it's definitely a new age. It's a new, everything's completely different now. Mm-hmm. And so he's having to adapt us in a, in a manner that we're not used to, that we haven't seen things. And, you know, and we're struggling kind of sometimes with it and, you know, it shakes us. Yeah. We're, yeah, it does, yeah. we're, we're human. I think yeah. we're seeing, I really, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Chris. No, I was just, I was going to say that, you know, I just listened to you talk. I, I want, I want you to know you, you're, you're doing things the right way. You're, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want people to, to hear that. And like, are you to feel like, um, I'm, I'm learning the hard way. So I'm, I failed. <laughs> you, you, oh no. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you haven't, you're, you're going about it the right way. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not clinging to the worldly things you're clinging to him. I think that's the most important in that, and that you're, even though you might not feel you're going in the right direction, if you're clinging to him, you are absolutely going in the right direction. It might take you longer than before, but that's the that's the takeaway there is that you know the the where you put your faith is what matters right. you know yeah i'm not saying the mistakes are good but but there is comfort in knowing that he has our mistakes pre-planned out yeah he you know he he saw our mistakes ahead of time and and worked us on the course that's still going to get us to the destination and destiny he intended us to be on Right. So, or, or the course to get to that destination he intended us to be on. And that's kind of the thing, like anywhere I go, whatever I do, that's the message. I mean, church, I mean, some of the people I talk to, I mean, even here, you know, since we've been doing this podcast and I've been a part of it now, uh, it's been, you're never too far. Mm -hmm. You're never too broken. Yes. You're never too far away from God. You know, we talk about Manasseh 
and how far away he was. And, you know, yet God still brought him back. And, uh, you know, that's, that's been the message over and over and over again. And it's, it's reassuring, you know, it, it gives you that just little bit of, of hope and just, I, I actually say love that little bit of love that you need, you know, cause, uh, you know, in a lot of instances, a lot of people, they're, they're not loved the right way. And then they need God to show the right way. So I don't know. It's, it's just been kind of a, a wishy-washy week. Yeah. <laughs> the but. truth is in the middle. Very often the truth is in the middle. I've, I, part of what I'm seeing is it seems like believers and non-believers too, but my focus is mostly on believers because the non-believers going to do what they're going to do, mm-hmm. you know, but believers, it seems like they're gravitating and populating the extremes. It really does. It seems mm-hmm. like you have, you have one extreme camp that's, that's extraordinarily legalistic and sends this message and, and makes people feel like if they mess up one time, he's hovering over them looking for an excuse to cast him out. It seems like they push that message to promote their own pride because they, it, the ones that promote that always give this exterior view of how righteous they are and how much better than you they are and how much God loves them because of how perfect they are and you're just worthless. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you're falling away. And it, 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 You see that extreme, but you also see the other extreme. It's like he doesn't bring consequence into our world ever you know what I mean? He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't chastise us ever. He doesn't rebuke us. I saw somebody point blank redefine repentance as just moving from unbelief to belief mm. and took sin completely out of the, out of the paradigm entirely. Whoa. Took it out. Wow. They, like they even said at one point, well, now that I know him, do I sin less? Well, I hope so. You hope so. Mm. Like it was so casual. Like the, like the attitude towards sin was so casual and that's not the biblical message. He does bring consequence. He does discipline us. Oh, We're yeah. told that repeatedly that any good father does. Yeah. Yes, he loves us. His love is a free gift. He welcomes us warmly into his home. All of that is absolutely true. And there's nothing you can do to earn your place in his home. But once you're there, like any good father, there are house rules. And when you rebel against those house rules, just like you do with your, with <laughs> your children, there will be consequences to correct that re- rebellion and that behavior. My kids rebel all the time. I don't throw them out into the gutter, but there are consequences. Mm-hmm. And the idea that there aren't consequences is simply not biblical. We've got to make sure that we're building on the right foundation. It's really going to be our theme for this, for this study moving forward and being renewed is what foundation are we building on and what are we building on it? Mm-hmm. Because the problem I'm seeing is that too many of these, these individuals and these extremes are not building good things in the foundation they're building on. They're really not. I like how that you use your, your, your kids as the, the comparison there because because I, I like to bring i like to 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 bring up the fact too that you know when you're newer when your discipline i feel is going to be less when you're a new christian but as you grow as a as a child grows you know you're you're less harsh on your younger children but as they grow and they learn and they learn what not to do but they still define you define you you know the punishments get more severe right mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it's well, you're going to stand in the corner for three minutes and that's like the end of the world for a two-year-old, right? But then, you know, can you imagine putting a 17-year-old in the corner? Put your nose in that corner. For, that's not going to do nothing, right? So the, the I feel like the, the punishments or the corrections will 
becomes more severe and awful and also different. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. It's tailored to your maturity in the faith. Right. I would say. And what you're willing to, you know, you as a person, what you're, what you're going to respond to, mm-hmm. I guess is the best way to put it. He knows yeah. what we're going to respond to, whether it's, you know, some people respond to very little. Yeah. Some people are pretty stubborn like me and it takes an awful lot. And that's the awesome part of the journey and our walk with him as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm in this waiting game and somebody else may be listening and going, man, I'm hearing from him like crazy, man. He's, he's working. I don't know what he's yeah. talking about. And, you know, we're all, we're all on different paths in our journey and he's speaking to us all at the same time in different ways. You know, you shared right. how he's speaking to you and you've shared, Carl, how he's spoken to you and Chris has shared that. And so we, God speaks to us in all different kinds of ways all the time. And, yeah. and that's, that's part of the, that's part of the journey is that we're all on different paths. We're all on different, not different paths. I don't, shouldn't say that, but we're all on different the, levels. Different levels. Yeah, yeah. I guess is the right way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the importance of community too. That's yes. why community is so important because very often we're going to overlap. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he's going to he's going to speak through me. Or he's going to speak to you through me. Yes. You know what I mean? And yes. and and all around like that. Absolutely. It's like very often he speaks to me through other believers. Yeah. Very often that's how it works. So Absolutely. it's important to have that community when you isolate yourself. You're a much easier target for the enemy. Is that it? Yeah. You said you had nothing. <laughs> liar alright well let's take our music break this week we're going to play a song called Teshuva Aliyah by Exodus Road Band and as usual if you listening have original music you would like us to consider featuring on future episodes of Digging Deeper be sure and reach out you can find us on Facebook that was a nice loud swallow there Chris thank you for that <laughs> I try to do it you call me out I try to do it quietly no 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 I'm going to call it out from now on <sighs> Well, then why, then why did we do this Shepherd Tracks thing? <laughs> when it's funny, I call it out. <laughs> All right. Oh. <laughs> Where was I at? You can find us on Facebook at Broken Record Ministries, or you can email us at brokenrecordministries at gmail.com. And again, be sure and stay tuned to the other side of the break, and we will begin our study being renewed, beginning in Ephesians chapter 4. Talk at you in a few. You know, I keep this beard strictly to annoy you now, right? <laughs>
the Western Wall. Been praying all the time for Yosef's call. On that day, they will see an army of Ephraim's been set free. Strangers in a foreign land, Yosef's time is at hand. Ears and eyes hear and see the prophet's road of you and me. Again, that was Teshuva Aliyah by Exodus Road Band. Be sure and check them out. Find them on your Spotify or Amazon music playlist and give them a follow. They do a lot of great work and they deserve it. Before we get started, I just want to let you all know we're going to get super serious now. No more joking, no more laughing, no more enjoying ourselves because Chris doesn't think that we should we should laugh or have I, fun when we study not, the Bible. That is not what I said. Am I slightly misrepresenting you? Slightly misrepresenting you. Oh, okay. Oh, so oh. serious. You deserve it because I saw when you pulled your mic up, you, you like you tested to make sure it was touching your beard <laughs> before you stopped. Did you see that? You <laughs> did. You made sure it was right there so I can edit all that noise out. <laughs> Appreciate that, buddy. <laughs> Mr. Take everything seriously. Uh-huh. <laughs> Unless I'm rubbing my beard on the mic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then it's irreverence. Yeah. Yeah. Hypocrite. Just trademark. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> My goodness. Excuse me. I'm just going to hand you over to the round table, let Rondy deal with you. I'm just going to come over here full time. <laughs> we're friends here. I swear we're friends. Second disclaimer, Chris is probably, he'll be very disengaged. Very disengaged. He's going to have his mind on the outro that Ronnie's requiring him to do from now on. So <sighs> he says... He's so upset by it. And I know it and I not I like the fact that you did not tell me until today. No, that was on, on So now, now I don't even have anything written down. Well, so to be fair, be... I didn't find out till last night. Okay. Last night he told me I think that Chris needs to do the outros from now on because I enjoyed that. I said, Okay. I could have texted you then, I guess. But I chose not to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he's I'm I'm he's paying me back for everything. So yes. We're good. Yeah. We're all we're all friends here. We are. So for now, for now, yeah. for now, we'll see how, we'll see how the rest of this episode goes. We'll, re- we'll reevaluate that. If this I'm afternoon. not here next week, you know why. It'd be so funny if it worked out. You couldn't be here. But like, oh man, they really did. They really did guys. say though. Yeah. Goodness. All right. So yes, this is a, a new study that we're going to start called being renewed. And we're going to dig into Ephesians four. And I am, you know, we, we discussed on the top half a little bit about these extremes that, that believers tend to be populating. And on the left-hand side, the, the licentious extreme, 
I think a lot of it has to do with wildly misrepresenting Paul. Mm-hmm. Very often when, when I see it defended, it's always a citation from Paul that, that's used to defend the position taken brutally out of context. And I think Ephesians 4 and 5 may be two of the most important passages Paul wrote to refute that mishandling of his, of his letters, of his words, that he somehow taught that grace is just a license to sin all you want, mm-hmm. and there's no definition for sin anymore. That's clearly not what he says, and he lays this out really well in Ephesians 4. Um, I think we've talked before, Micah, that there's a, there's a, we tend to stop with the decision point yep. too often in the churches. We get converts. Yes. I talked with, with Bob about that recently, too. We, we, we want the converts because there's glory in getting converts, right? So you get them to make a decision for Christ, and then there's no discipleship after that. So we stop at the justification part, the justification by belief alone. That's where we stop, but we don't continue into the sanctification part. There's a, there's a, there's a gulf of a difference between positional sanctification, which is that point where you make that decision, and functional sanctification, when you walk out that decision and follow Jesus, follow his way, follow his expectations, follow the commands, the commands of the Father. That's functional sanctification. And he lays that out really well here in Ephesians 4. That's why I think it's important. That's what we're going to dig into this now. So you want to go ahead and start leading the study, Chris? I'm good. Oh, you good? Oh, I thought, oh, I thought you were taking over. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, no, Sonny's yeah, Sonny's favorite. Taking over. No, Sorry, yeah, not. Ronnie said he should, you're his favorite now, so you're taking over. Oh, so. get out of here. <laughs> One comment on Facebook, and now I'm his favorite. Because <laughs> well, he literally said, you're my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I forgot what he said. Yeah, it was those words exactly. <laughs> it's a direct Shh. quote, man. <laughs> Don't tell Carl. <laughs> Before we go into four, though, I want to read the, the last couple verses of three, because I think that's important. It's important to remember that there weren't chapter breaks originally, and they're good for, for you know, dividing the scripture out, making it easy to cite and stuff, but often it disrupts the flow, and that's kind of unfortunate. I think it's one of those cases where it disrupts the flow here, so you lose the, the springboard for what he's about to say starting in chapter 4. So Ephesians chapter 3, start in, uh, start in verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. He's building the foundation there. None of that is dependent upon anything you do. That's just faith and belief. Faith and belief in Jesus does the work. That's the foundation, right? And like we talked about earlier, you know, it's important to have the right foundation. The foundation is Jesus. You have to be building on that foundation. If you're not, then your your house is going to collapse. It has to be built on him, but what are we building on that foundation? And that's where we come to chapter four, where he starts getting into what are we going to build on it? Right. And that, that has to do with you. That has to do with you, you walking in agreement with the spirit and being cooperative in that. And we talked about discipline and things like that. That's the purpose of those, those disciplinary actions. The father takes his corrective measures is to get you to build the right structure on the foundation you're on. That kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. So starting in verse one, chapter four, I think what we'll do is we'll just, we'll, we'll read 
uh, we'll read it in sections and then discuss as we go. Cause there's a lot here. Mm-hmm. He, he lays out a lot in chapter four. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty packed. Yeah. So I'm just going to read this in sections and then I'm going to stare at you guys awkwardly until somebody makes a comment <laughs> and then we'll move on. Sound good? Uh-huh. So that means I'm going to stare at you, Chris, awkwardly each time. Well, listen to okay. Chris's beard. We're all just going to yeah. stare at you. <laughs> all right. My beard is, does not have wisdom. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Chapter four, verse one. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. I'm going to stop there. The walk there is privateo, and it's, 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 it's always just a, a, a manner of living, right? It's just a poetic way to say how you live your life. Right. That's what walk means there. Mine, mine says it a little bit different. It says... Uh, What's your trans... My, <clears throat> just to pause, my translation, for those of you listening, is the New American Standard Bible. What's your Sonny? The... New Living Translation. Okay. Uh, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make a, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Reminds me of the love covers over a, multi- a multitude of sins passage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have to be as forgiving toward others as he has been toward us. That's, and that's not a, a, it's not a suggestion. Let's put it that way. Right. right. Being forgiving toward your neighbor is not a suggestion. It's a command to not be forgiving toward your neighbor. Whenever something is given as a command to do the opposite is sin. Yes. Point blank. So if you're not being forgiving toward your neighbor, you're sinning. It's just the cold, hard truth of it. Yeah. Uh, unity, there's an interesting word too. It's uh, hey, no taste. And it means singleness of purpose. It doesn't mean like one entity or one person. It's, it's, it's a lot of people coming together in a singleness of purpose. That's what the goal is. It's not unity for the sake of unity alone. So the, the, and we're going to get into that as we get through this passage more. Too often unity is, is, is mishandled to just be tolerant of any kind of heresy or any kind of, of wild licentious sin just for the sake of unity. And that's not what Paul is laying out here. You'll see that he gets kind of harsh later toward, toward extreme, extreme belief systems and stuff like that later on in the passage. But the, the purpose is important. So yeah, we, we need to have singleness, but the underlying purpose is very important. And that's why that foundation point, understanding that is so important. We have to be founded upon Jesus Christ and his doctrine, his gospel, his message, which is the same as the father's message. He and the father are one. So if it deviates from the father and the son in any way, it's not, it's not his foundation, right? Your, your foundation's cracked at best. And when a foundation becomes cracked, you have to repair it, yes. right? You, you need to lift the house up and do a lot, of, a lot of construction work to repair your foundation. And, you know, talking about us as people, that may take some, some time and correction and pain. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, not a, it's not a quick and easy process if you Sometimes allow the foundation to fall apart. Sometimes you have to start over. Sometimes, yeah. Tear the whole structure down and build again. That's absolutely right. Starting in verse 4, unless you guys had anything else. Chris ever so slightly shook his head no. I'm good. Okay. He, he's just staring at the Bible, so he don't have to look up and see us staring at him. <laughs> I'm trying to be as non-serious as possible after your statement, Chris, just to needle you. All right, verse four, there is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, 
one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Think he's trying to say something there? Think he's trying to really like reinforce something there? Yeah. That word one is heis, and it's 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 the root for henotes. So when he says unity in the previous verse, henotes, one is the root word. Heis in Greek is the root of that word. And every time one appears in that text there, it's that root word. He's going out of his way to poetically say, you are one in God. You are mm-hmm. one in his purposes. You are one together. Get this, like it's like Paul saying, get this through your thick skulls. Stop right. gnashing and clawing at each other. Stop bringing rank heresy into, into your assemblies. Stop, you know, stop trying to, to abuse Jesus to do things your way. You are one in God. He is top. He is foremost. And you are together under him. You need to get with the program is basically what I think he's <laughs> saying here. Verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. That's Psalm 68, by the way. Now, in this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. I'm going to stop there. You guys got any comments on that passage before we move on? I don't know. I just think it's they're reiterating that like these weren't two different people. The the person that descended is also the person that ascended because how can you ascend without first descending at some point? So mm-hmm. like again, in case you missed it, this is the same person. Like just reiterating that. Do you have anything on that, Micah? Could any mere man do what he's describing Jesus doing there? No. I think he's really laying out for us that, that Jesus is not just a person. Yeah. He's not just a man. He's, he's more. When he says that he and the Father are one, he's making a, an extreme declaration of his deity. Mm. And I think yep. Paul's, Paul's, Paul's laying that out for us, too, that he's, he can't be easily set aside. Right? Yeah. He, is, he is your authority, and he's done all the work. I think verse 7 is connected to verse 11 here when he talks about Christ's gift. I, I believe he's talking about the gifts that he gives us to, to edify the body. And I think that that links us to verse 11 where it says this, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So these are functions. Right. These aren't necessarily uh, titles or positions. They're really laid out here as as functions in the body to edify one another. Like one person, one person could have multiples of these functions. Right. right? It's not necessarily intended to be subdivided into into the specific category. And this is your your title. I mean, it's also important to acknowledge here that he included prophets. So the idea that the second that Jesus died and ascended, the gift of prophecy vanished simply isn't biblical. There's multiple occasions where you see uh, prophets mentioned by Paul. You see a prophet in the book of Acts that's it's not it's not portrayed in a negative. It's portrayed in a positive. So that's that's there. And pastor there is actually the Latin for shepherds. It's poinehas, poimenas in Greek. And it literally just means shepherd. So one, one whose function is to guide the sheep. I think it's directly related to a term meaning to feed the sheep. Yes. So helping to feed the sheep poetically to to disciple them. 
to, to, to build up. I think that's important because we all need that. We know they're all, we're all going to, we talked about the journey of life at some point in life, we're all going to need to be built up yeah. and to be encouraged in some, some way. And it's important for us to use the gifts that God has given to us and put them into, into practice. So we're doing that because when it's time to take the stand that we were talking about earlier, we stand together. We don't stand divided. We stand unified together mm-hmm. because it's easier to stand with somebody than to stand alone. Yeah. And I, and I don't think the intention very rarely, I know he has done that before God in the scriptures has done that, but I think very rarely does he ask us to stand alone. Correct. He, he wants us to stand together as a, as a body, as a body of believers. And yes, there are those instances in scripture where they did stand alone. You know, you think of Jeremiah and, and Ezekiel where they're, where they're standing alone and no one's really listening to them or Noah, you know, where no one, his family were the only ones spared, spared from the ark. But I think for the most part, his, his intent is for us to, to stand, to, to stand together Yeah. in the same, like you're talking about in the same doctrine, in the same unity, same purposeful of heart, not in the heresy. Mm-hmm. And, and Absolutely, in the, the truth of the gospel. Even those occasions where individuals were required to stand alone, that's not to say that being alone or isolated was optimal. Yes, it was. It was necessitated by the circumstances. Yeah, right. They were alone because everybody else had had shifted away from that yes. underlying purpose. And I, I would add too, those individuals that stood against ones like Ezekiel and like Jeremiah and like Noah, they had singleness of purpose. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, you know, unity isn't the goal. Yeah, not by itself. Unity dissected away from his expectations of us and his standard of righteousness is not the goal, because non-believers have unity. That you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Unity has to be defined by something. Otherwise, otherwise, you know, the ones that were standing opposed to Jeremiah, we could, we could, we could construe were the the good ones because they had unity together. They had singleness of purpose in mind together. Well, that doesn't matter because they were opposed to the things of God. They were just given lip service. You could say the same about Isaiah. Isaiah very much stood alone. He ended up being murdered murdered yeah. for his faith because he stood alone. They were giving, you know, the people that killed him were giving lip service to the Most High. You know, some, 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 some Jewish uh, literature actually states that Manasseh was the one that murdered Isaiah, you know? So, you know, and, and we know that, that their heresy wasn't that they forgot the name of the Most High, they were giving him lip service, but they were bringing heretical ideas and practices into the worship of the Most High. And that wasn't good. They had unity and singleness of purpose. It wasn't a good thing, though. So I guess what I'm trying to say, I'm repeating myself, what I'm trying to say is the unity has to be defined by the biblical text. Yeah. You see the difference between Babel and Pentecost. You know, Babel, they all came together, unified together, and the Scripture actually says there's no telling what they can do when they're unified together in building this tower, but they were building it to make their name great, not the name of God great. Mm-hmm. And, and God says, my name is the one that's great. I'm the one that's holy. And you see all throughout that passage of scripture to make, we want to make a name for ourselves. We want to make our name great. And then you see Pentecost where they all come together with one purpose and one heart, like we're talking about here. And we see God, God saving people and miracles happening and, you know, tongues happening. And we see all this, all this awesome stuff happening because they had singleness of purpose. And so yeah. you see the opposite of what we do, like you're talking about. And then you see the positive of that there. Okay, verse 13 
until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Notice until there. So it hasn't been attained. It's something we're striving toward. Yeah. Right? We're, we're striving toward that, and it's not going to be attained until, until the kingdom comes. That's, that's just the stark reality of it. It's something that we strive toward. And we're striving toward it because we all, we all want to build each other up to be mature. Yes. Like he, I think he's laying that out here quite clearly, that the, the unity for all of us, the goal of it, is that so each one of us can attain to that maturity in Christ. Right? We're, yes. we're helping each other grow. It's a growing process, and we yes. grow better together. Yep. We, exactly. we, we flourish better together. I think we've talked about this before. <clears throat> uh, you know, it, it's a never-ending growth. Mm-hmm. It it never stops. Uh, you will never be like you will never be like Christ. You know what I mean? You can try to be Christ-like, but there is no end to that. You know, there's there's no way to be Him or be perfect. So yeah, He is the only don't, one. Yeah, yeah, don't ever think that you're ever going to be perfect. Don't. I mean, I <clears throat> I've I've seen it too many times in, in, uh, just my life and, and seen it in people that, that they think that they do no wrong and they follow every single little rule or whatever, but they're, uh, they're the way their mind works, the way their heart works is, is corrupt. Yes. And I don't, I don't know. You just know the difference. God you know? sees your secret sins. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, um, I think God gives people abilities to see that. And uh, some some people you can you can tell. Some people you can't. You know, some people it's hard to read. But um, I know think, the, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. The one thing I notice in common, we talked about the two extremes. Mm-hmm. the extreme legalistic on on that side and the extreme lawless. The one thing that I've noticed they have in common is a lack of love. Mm-hmm. Yes. Consistently, both sides, the, their love starts to die. Mm-hmm. You can see it in the way they treat people, especially when somebody disagrees with them. You see it in the way they treat people. Their love mm-hmm. dies out. Yep. And love is the principal thing. If yeah. your love is dying, it's because you're separating from him. Yep. Above all else, love. Above all. Yeah. You know? Um, and that uh, mine says... This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Um, I love it how it says that we will be mature in the Lord. Mm-hmm. There's being mature in 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 all aspects of life, but being mature in Lord is a whole different realm. And sometimes I feel like I'm still on a bottle. (laughs) I mean, for real, like I, I think I'm a baby sometimes. And then there's sometimes to where I feel, I feel old, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel knowledgeable. I feel, you know, it, 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 it can differ, you know? Um, and, uh, I think God gives you that that measure whenever it's needed. 
because sometimes like this, I, I was in over my head <laughs> coming to this podcast and being able to be around you guys and do this stuff. I was in way over my head. I was freaking out <laughs> and, but it's gotten me closer to God. It's gotten me closer to, to his word. He's I've studied, I've been doing what I, I think I should be doing, but, uh, that measure uh, that that knowledge i think comes whenever it's time god gives it to you whenever it's time and it doesn't matter if you think you are still my stomach <laughs> my stomach's <laughs> growling again i was like oh uh i think that knowledge comes whenever he he presents it mm -hmm. and i mean i sometimes it's it's early. Sometimes it's late. Hey, it's okay. did you hear that one too? Uh, yeah. How many people hear that? You swallow louder than anybody I've ever met in my entire life. Sorry. Like I can't even fake swallow that loud. <laughs> I really tried to hide that. I was way far away from the mic too. Maybe that's why. Maybe it's because I'm like way back. Yeah, you're aiming the mic directly at your throat. Yeah. I'm sorry. I did not mean to keep interrupting them. <laughs> The flow of things. <laughs> Mr. Take you seriously. Look at you. Uh -huh. Look at you. <laughs> that kind of reminds me too. You said you felt over your head. It reminds me of how my stepdad told me that I can't swim. I'll be honest with you, but he was telling me how his dad taught him to swim. And he literally just dropped him, dropped him mm -hmm. out of the boat with him. Wow. I mean, he was right there. He didn't let him get out of his reach. Right. right? Like he, 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 pull him up to make sure that he didn't drown. He wasn't going to let him drown or anything like right. that. But you, I guess the lesson is you learn by doing. Yeah. At some point yeah. you have to learn by doing. And, and sometimes that means we have to, we have to be let go for even a split second. So the water gets over our heads. So we learn how to float. Yeah. Right. And I think sometimes the father will do that. Maybe not quite so harsh, but I think the father will do him. I don't know. Maybe he does do that uh, quite yeah. so harsh. Cause I, I, I guess, thinking about it, I've experienced that. Sometimes he has to let us go and, and let us learn how to swim. He's right there. Right. He's not going to let us drown, but he's got to let us learn how to swim on our own too. And that's why right. unity is so important mm -hmm. yeah. because we do that with each other. Yeah. I mean, when yeah. one, one, one person's struggling and they're going under the water, yeah. somebody else is there to pick them up and help, help them along. And I think that's why yeah. he's saying, Hey, we're all growing. We're all maturing. And there's sometimes that, you know, I may know the truth, but I may be going through something and knowledge isn't the problem. It's that, yeah. it's that living, it's that living it out. It's putting it into the practical aspect of it. And so I think that's, that's important as well. I, I think agree. that's, that's where yeah. that knowledge is coming from. It's a knowledge, not just head knowledge, but it's a knowledge. This is the way that I'm going to live because this is the way that I believe because I've got God flowing flowing through me. Well, yeah. When you look at the wording of it, uh, let me find words that the knowledge of the son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature, which belongs to the fullness of Christ. I think he's talking about practical applications. Yes. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It goes back to verse one. Verse one really defines this entire thought process here, the walk. How are we walking out our faith? It's mm -hmm. not how well we can explain our faith. That's important too. Don't get me wrong. It's that, that, that has a lot of value, but what's more valuable is walking out your faith where people can see it. You yeah. know, people are going to be more convinced about Jesus if you if you exhibit his love than if you can quote scripture to him. Right. And then it's also, you know, the biggest thing, like I think, okay, so I'm in a learning process. 
about learning how to behave a lot. And, uh, you know, I, like I felt like a hypocrite not too long ago. And, uh, you know, I, I felt and believed a certain way. And then I turned around and did the exact same thing that I said that I thought that I didn't want to do anymore. or I believe that was wrong. And then it, then it hit me and I was just like, I just did that. And I think it was God showing me, Hey, you know, this is what you said. This is what you're doing. This is what you did. Mm-hmm. And choose. You have to really choose. You have to figure it out. And it's not that I'm a hypocrite. It's that I'm in a learning process. Right. And I'm not trying to preach or I'm not trying to lead anybody in a certain way. I just know what I feel and how I feel about God and how I feel about the things that I've learned and the way that I've learned and who I'm becoming. That's what I know. And God is teaching me every single day. And whenever it comes to whenever I feel convicted of something, I know that I need to work on it. Right. And that was one thing that I was convicted of and we had talked about it and everything about the whole Halloween thing and all that stuff. And I was, I was really convicted about that. You know, that really bothered me. And so it came down to a point to where I made a choice. I had to make a decision and I felt good about it. And, uh, you know, I, and I, it hasn't crossed my mind since. So now it's, on to another on to the next thing yeah and and that's the way that it works yeah. you know you come to different roadblocks and then you know you work through it and that becomes the maturity that becomes the the knowledge and you know that becomes the faith even you know you start working through all these things you gain more faith in god because you see what he's doing in your life. You see the change in yourself. Well, sometimes you don't see the change in yourself. <laughs> other people do. Yeah. And you don't see it, but then other people do. And then you're just like, well, why are you being like that? You know, like, why are you treating me so good? Or, you know, why are you saying those good things about me? Because like me, I wasn't used to having good things said about me. Mm-hmm. And Whenever people were just like, oh, dude, you did so awesome. And I'm like, no, I'm, don't, don't praise me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, don't do that. But uh, yeah, the faith, knowledge, and maturity, whenever it comes to God, comes in time and comes whenever he wants it. And I don't know. It, that, that, these couple of little scriptures really stood out to me last night whenever I was yeah. reading them. And I was just like, you know, he does that whenever it's time and he gives you sometimes more than what you need. And then sometimes he just gives you just enough. Yeah. You mentioned in that about, you know, not just you seeing it in yourself, but other people seeing it, that really speaks to me. Cause I'll be honest, like I'm very self-critical, very self-critical. Like if it, if I was left to my own devices, I wouldn't see any change. I would honestly, I would, I would convince myself I was forsaken and un, irredeemable and unforgivable and worthless. You know, individuals like you, Mike, is, you know, telling me that you can see the love in me is kind of yeah. a lifeline to me because I, I, I don't see it in myself. I don't see it change. So having other people come along and be like, I can see him working in you. Oh man, that's, that's life saving. 
mm-hmm. for me because I can't see it. And the enemy uses that to cause me to spiral. He'll put me in an absolute death spiral. If I, if I was left to my own devices without people that he's placed around me, I would, I would, I would spiritually death spiral yeah. and the father knows it. That's why he pressed me so hard to get back into assembly because I wasn't in any kind of an assembly for years. I didn't have I didn't have really Christian friends for years. You know what I mean? It wasn't it's not just about going to church, it's about having believing friends, right? That's what really what this is talking about. It's not yes. going to a mm-hmm. building on Sunday. It's about the friends that you keep, yes. right? You and you and I Micah being yes. close. You know, you and I Chris, you and I Sonny. It's it, th- that's what it's talking about. This yes. is church. Yeah. This is the body. Right. And for those people to come along and be like, I don't care what you see in yourself, I can see Christ in you. I can see that that can really change somebody's course mm-hmm. in a big, big way. I know because I've experienced that. Yep. And two or more gather. Yeah. yeah. And every experience is different. I mean, we may not see the purpose until yeah. later. You know, and then the purpose <laughs> is for the edification of the body. Yeah. So maybe God has allowed us to experience something for the encouragement and the edification of somebody else where we can say, Hey, I, I know, I literally know where you're at. Not just yeah. a good phrase where I know where you've been. Right. I literally know. Cause I, I was there. Yeah. I've been on that yes, road that you're yes, on. And God has brought me through that. And this is how we did it. We may not share all of it, but we share how he's brought us through that. And that's part of the edification and the maturity mm-hmm. because that leads us to maturity. It's like, Oh, okay. You know, look at other believers that have experienced similar things. Yeah, and to and to grow and well, to grow in those things. Because when somebody else is on that same road, you can you can tell them this is where the this, this is where there's a fork in the road. This is where yes. there's a curve you can't see in the dark. This is where there's a pothole that I stepped into. You can avoid that. You can help that person walk through. I think that's why God allows us sometimes to walk those difficult paths to help somebody else that may not have the same strength to walk it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because exactly. you know, so we can we can be a help and a guide to somebody else to help them through to avoid the pitfalls that we fell into. Yeah. Sometimes they'll allow us to fall into a pit so we can help somebody else to avoid it. Yeah. You have anything, Chris? You're not afraid to drink your drink, are you? No, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> Don't be afraid. You can, you can have some of your mocha. <laughs> Verse 14. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Doctrine there is didascalia, and it literally means the teachings of men. So when I, when I think of didascalia, doctrine, in that context, I think of sort of like what the Pharisees were doing by adding commandments, right? Like mm-hmm. taking the word of God and adding to it, like, like Jesus sharply rebukes them for Matthew 15 and Mark 7, sharply rebukes them for setting aside the law in favor of their own traditional commands. Yep. And honestly, we've kind of done that with, with mainstream theology. Mainstream yeah. theology, a, a lot of mainstream theology is built around how can we get away with setting aside his commandments? How can we get away with setting aside his law to give us an excuse to ignore it? We do the exact same thing Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for. And it's, it's, it's didascalia, it's doctrine. And he's saying, don't be carried away by this. What Paul's telling us here is this is your doctrine. I'm holding this up in an audio-only podcast. That makes a lot of sense. I'm holding my Bible up. <laughs> this yes, right here. this thing right here. Just use your imagination. Your Bible is your doctrine. Yep. The, the living, breathing word of the Most High God, that is your doctrine. And if anything you're taught by anybody disagrees with a single syllable of that, in proper context, reject what you've been taught and accept the word of God yes. every single time. Don't follow a crowd into error is what he's telling us here. So this is where he gives us this contrast of unity is very important. 
you know, we've discussed in, in this episode why unity is so important, but he's also saying don't just follow a crowd for the sake of chasing unity. If the crowd is going away from the word of God in favor of doctrines that are non-biblical, don't chase a crowd in pursuit of unity. That's what he's telling us here. Unity with singleness of purpose properly defined is what Paul's laying out for us here and laying it out in a very good way. Like this is, this is one of the best arguments for properly handled biblical unity in scripture, in my opinion. Go ahead. And that's where the maturity comes in. Mm-hmm. Because if we're mature and strong in our faith and we're around a body of believers that are strong in the faith and we're not going to be tossed like children, we're not going to be, okay, well, that sounds good. Now, let's go over there. Well, let's talk about that. Let's see how that aligns with scripture, like you just said. Mm-hmm. And, and it's important to have that body, that unity to bring us back on track. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's maturity. It goes back to that, yeah. that mature yeah. man. Like yeah. we, we, he, the goal is to grow into maturity and that maturity won't lead us to accepting bad doctrine. It'll lead us to resisting it. Even if that means that we're in a remnant, we're in a small group, you know, you know, that the unity, if you're in a small group that has the singleness of purpose built upon the word of God compared to a big group that's forsaken it for the sake of fitting in with the world, the biblical unity is with the remnant, yes. just with that small group. And I think we're getting really close to the point in the world now where we're dividing out into remnants. You know, it's, I, I think there's going to come a time very quickly when the big groups are going to be so far off base that you, you can't have the sort of singleness of purpose that God wants you to have, that Christ wants you to have by being in those groups. Mm. At some point, at some point, the come out of her, my people paradigm is going to be at play, you know, because, you know, we're allowing Babylon to infest our, mm. our assemblies way too much. And if it doesn't get corrected soon, I don't know where it's going to lead, but it's nowhere good. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. This rounds everything out, what he's been talking about, the functions that we talked about for, for building one another up. He's, he's using the metaphor again of, of a body each individual part is different. It has a different function, but the, the, the function of each part of the body is for the good of the body, for the body to grow, for each, mm-hmm. each part to grow and for the body to grow with the parts growing. That's mm-hmm. what he's saying here. And like everybody has a different purpose. Correct. You know, uh, where is it at? as each part does its own special work. Yeah. It helps the other parts grow, which, you know, what we've been talking about, you know, trying to lead others and trying to help each other out whenever we're down or we're going through a struggle or we're having issues or whatever. And, um, you know, the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Mm-hmm. That means the church, the, the unity of the whole body of Christ, which that's what we are, right? Yeah. You know, full of love. Not tell you that you're doing wrong. I mean, tell you do wrong, but with love. You know what I mean? Like, like we were talking about with all the, you know, 
hellfire and brimstone and, you know, the different ways that churches are, you know, just hitting you over the head of, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. God's over you. He's watching you. And you know what I mean? That's, that's not love. You know, that's not, that's not what Christ is. Yeah. I think it comes back to this phrase here at the start, speaking truth in love. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's a balance. It's a proper balance, not 50% truth, 50% love, 100% of each. Right. Right. All truth, all love, all the time spoken in the, in the right loving way. Right. Not, not truth at the expense of love or love at the expense of truth. We don't defer to one or the other at the expense of the other. That's where, that's how you get to the extremes. Mm -hmm. That's how these extremes form on either side of the narrow way in between, you know, there's a right way and a wrong way to speak that truth. Sometimes it's going to, it's going to seem harsh to the person having the truth spoken to them. And it may not matter how loving you are about it. They may perceive it as hate because yeah, conviction, conviction is going to cause them to perceive it in the wrong way. If they respond to the conviction poorly. Right. But for you, for you, your part, if you're speaking the truth in love, the way that person perceives it or feels about it's relevant. Yeah. And I mean, that goes a lot into, um, you know, each person feels Christ different. You know, you feel Christ in one way. You feel him in another way. I feel him in another way. You feel him in another way. And the convictions can be harsh. Mm -hmm. But where you're at, we go back up to the maturity of the knowledge. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that depends on how you deal with convictions. It depends that that structures you of how you handle everything and you look at it, your perception of it. Oh, no, no, I agree. (laughs) Just I'm agreeing. I just, I you're really quiet today. Uh, you're making me nervous. Kind of. I, I was just stressing out over here, man. Actually, yeah, I did get that warning. Uh, He's all prepping for the outro. Uh, uh, what am I going to say? How does Carl say it every week? Uh, uh, that is exactly uh, for, what I'm doing. Thanks for listening. What's the email again? Yeah, that's another question. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I know the email. I don't want to say it wrong. <laughs> thanks. No, I just... I think it's poetic here that, you know, that it, it, it points to Christ as the head and, and we're the body and we work together as a body, but we would still be nothing without the, without Christ at the head. Absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. Like the, like, you know, (laughs) basic science, you separate the head from a body. The body is still a body, but it will cease to function as one. Correct. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's pretty poetic and, and, you know, I mean, it was no accident that it was worded this way no but no i think it's worth noting that you know it's it's just one of those things where you know the the head still has potential without the body but the body has no potential without the head Mm -hmm. i really think that's why he lays out you know like we referenced in verses eight through ten yeah the the work of christ how no mere man could have done this this is this is divinity that did this this is the son of god the pre-existing one the only way truth and life that did this because he wants you to understand you're striving to be like him you will never be him Mm -hmm. your job is to strive to be like him you will never be him because i think the other error that he deals with in places like galatia which is which is you know typically where you see his words 
grossly mishandled is we'll reference the letter to the Galatians as an excuse to just throw away the front half of your Bible. What he was dealing with, in my opinion, in Galatia was individuals that had become so self-righteous, they believed they could attain, they could ascend, they could descend. They were, you know, they were so righteous that they could attain, they could attain to the righteousness of God and earn their own way. So they were setting the sun aside. We don't need him anymore because I'm righteous enough. I can do it on my own. I don't need him. They were displacing the promise, right? And you, you see both errors. You see the error in Ephesus, in, in Ephesus, where they seem to be displacing the standard of righteousness. But you see the error in Galatia, where they seem to have been displacing the promise himself. And Paul's really laying it out here very clearly that he is the head. He is the foremost one. You cannot displace him, but he has an expectation of you, right? That's the proper balance. He has expectations. Yeah. There, there is a walk involved in this. It's not just a decision point and you sit down cross-legged and stay there. There's a walk. There's a walk of sanctification, you know, after you make this decision, after you decide to build on that foundation, there's something to build. And he wants you to work with him in that process. And he's, this is really where he's laying this out. And it comes down to, to this, you know, you know, ab- abandoning bad doctrine, but doing so in love, coming together in loving unity with one another, working to build one another up, looking to, to each other is more important than yourself right? Or at least as important, you know, at the very least as important, not viewing yourself as above anybody else, certainly not viewing yourself as above Jesus, mm. never viewing yourself as equal to him or above him, because that will never happen. Hate to break it to you. That will never happen. <laughs> no, we are beneath him and we yes. always will be firmly beneath him, right? He loves us dearly. He wants the best for us. He's our king how it's always going to be. <laughs> You're never going to usurp him. No. Right. But there's a standard. There's an expectation. And I think, you know, this metaphor, I love the metaphor of the body anyway, the yeah. different parts, because I think, you know, one of the lessons in that is you have a particular, like you said, Sonny, you have a, you have a function, you have a, you have a job to do. You have a role, you have a calling, you have a commission. Be satisfied in that. Yes. Mm-hmm. When he gives you your job, if you're a joint be happy being a joint. Don't get jealous of the ear. Don't get jealous of the eye, right? Stop, stop judging your commission based upon someone else's commission. They're not an eye because they're more important than you or that he loves them more. They're an eye because the body needs an eye. You're a joint because the body needs a joint. It's not a matter of, of, of who's loved more. It's a matter of you are a body and all these functions are important and your function is no less important than that function. Right. It, it may it may seem as if that that body part is receiving more honor and glory, but it's just because it's just the nature of the body. It's not because you're loved more or less. That's just your role. And I think one of the biggest errors I see, and I've been guilty of this, so I'm speaking to myself. I'm 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 not harping down on anybody else. I've been guilty of this. We look at other people's functions that seem to get more attention and more glory than our function, and we covet that. We want that function. We want to be like them and we start despising what the most high is telling us to do in our function. And that's, that's very disrespectful. It's a sin. Envy. It's envy. It's 100% a sin. And it's, it's, it's telling him, you might as well just look straight in the most high's face and say, what you're giving me isn't good enough for me. I want more. That's, that's a very, I don't even know the word for that is not good. It's not a good attitude to have toward him. We need to be satisfied in what he's calling us to do individually. Yes.
I'm happy being an appendix. <laughs> I knew you had something. Nobody, it was either going to be. Nobody really knows what I do, but I'm just there. Part of the body. <laughs> Not really good for nothing. <laughs> so no just like to be there. <laughs> no jokes, Chris. Sweeps in. <laughs> Well, now I'm taking a hard left turn because yes. uh, you were like, all right, now you're coming after me. Now I'm taking a left turn. <laughs> I'm going with it. So on that note, for the sake of time, I didn't know how far we were going to get. I want to jump ahead. We'll, in Next week, we'll round back and start back up in 17 because yeah. 17 is really important, but I don't want to open up a full discussion. I want to have plenty of time to talk about that. But I want to jump down and end this week with verses 22 and 20 or 23 and 24. And it says, it's the goal of all this and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. That's where I'm going to stop. Renewed there is Ananiuho. Goodness. Ananiuho. Yeah. Yeah, we'll just play that so play that off. I have allergies. <laughs> I love that word. I love it. It actually means to renovate. It, it seems to carry like the language of like, for example, taking a house and gutting it out. Taking yep. a house that's not livable and gutting it out and making it new again. Mm-hmm. Inside out renovation project. That's, that's the imagery that that word carries. It's uh, very similar to a word used in Colossians uh, chapter 3, verse 10. It's, it's a related word. It's not the exact same Greek word, but it's very similar. It means the same thing, to renovate. Hmm. I believe it's the same word used in Hebrews as well. It Is says, it? Um, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yeah. I mm-hmm. believe that's the same word, remodeling the way we think. Remodeling. Completely, completely changing. Yeah. Don't think like the world. Don't be conformed right. to the world transform your thinking and yeah. that's really what he's talking about is transforming our thinking i like that word remodel yeah mine says it just a little bit different uh instead let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes mm-hmm. put on your new nature created to to be like god truly righteous and holy and what does that imply that you know that if we're putting on a new self that implies like our actions our thought processes what we do why we do it everything changes it's not passive this is active. This yeah. is what he's saying. He's talking about a very active functional faith, not passive. And see this, this <clears throat> let the spirit renew. Yeah. Let him do the work and capitalize spirit, mm-hmm. you know, the Holy spirit, you know, you become a Christian, the Holy spirit comes into you. That's the God part. That's the Trinity. That's the part that where you acknowledge that God is within you that Jesus is within you, that the Holy Spirit is within you. And once you start letting that take over, renew your thoughts and attitudes because your attitude means a lot by your perceptions and to what you see and how you feel. And and my wife has had a sign up in her classroom ever since her first year that says your attitude determines your direction. Yes. There's, so much truth in that. Mm. Oh yeah. And I just really, I, I really in, like appreciate the way that it's said there. Just let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. And that, 
it hits home. Like yeah. it, it makes you feel kind of good. <laughs> There's it, a lot in that that's so important. Yeah. Cause this, go, I'm sorry. No, I, no, for real. It's just more or less of like, it just, it hits different, you know, because I, I appreciate it more whenever I start looking into it deeper, you know, because you can interpret it that just as, okay, thoughts and attitudes, but no, but I've seen it in my life. I've seen how my thoughts and my attitudes have changed because there's certain scenarios in my life now to where my attitude would have took me to a whole different direction of things that just happened this week, mm -hmm. even though great things have happened this week, you know? Um, but yet I still would have, if I was still the old man before my thoughts and attitudes would have went down a really dark hole. Yeah. A really dark place. And that's not where I'm at and I'm thankful for it. And I'm, I appreciate just little words like that. You know, it, it means a lot more to me. So there's so much buried in there that matters. That's why I named this study what I did. It's around this word being renewed. Mm -hmm. It's important to understand what that means and who does the work. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, using that remodeling or renovating language, you know, I think of the spirit, like the contractor that comes in, he does the work. Right. But you have to cooperate with the work. I think this is where, you know, that left side extreme really misses the mark on this. They see the spirit doing the work, but it's like they totally miss where that work leads. Right. Yes. You know, and, and it's like they've turned behaving differently on the other side of the work is adding works to your salvation. No, it's not adding works to your salvation. You're not earning your salvation. Right. The spirit's doing the work in you and changing you and putting a new person on you but that should lead to you behaving differently. It, it should lead to your desires being different, right? Your desire should be to please the most high, to do the things that, that, that please him and to avoid the things that he calls abominable because you've been changed. Your, your heart's been transplanted out. That's why I asked that at the beginning. Do you need a heart transplant? That's what, that's what this is talking about here. Mm -hmm. He's taking that old heart, like David says in Psalm 51, take this old heart out, rip it out of my chest and give me a new one because this thing in me is not good. There's something wrong because I can feel my, like my desires at war with myself. Like I want to do right, but I can't. And there's a piece of me, if I'm being honest, that doesn't want to do right and I hate it. That's what David's saying in Psalm 51, mm -hmm. essentially, right? And we need the spirit to come in and pull that out and give us a new heart so we have the right desire. And that should lead somewhere, right? It, it lays it right out here. The, the likeness of God, this new person is in the likeness of God. The likeness of the father, his likeness is defined by his law. You know, that's the, his law is an expression of his heart for us. That's his likeness there has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. You know, righteousness is the opposite of sin. Holiness is to be set apart from the world. And there is only one standard that defines those two things, right? We can't define that ourselves. That's right. We can't add a definition to what righteousness is and holiness is to please our flesh because that tends to be what we try to do. We try to define righteousness some other way to make us comfortable, to make us fit in with the world better, right? But righteousness and holiness is defined by the Most High. He lays that definition out very clearly. No, we can't attain it of ourselves because there's a heart problem. There's something wrong in us, so we can't attain to that. But it's not the definition that's the problem. It's our heart that's the problem. Our heart is bad, not the definition. <laughs> 
Sorry. <laughs> I tried to catch you in between the sentence, but I couldn't do it fast enough. Normally, I'd edit something like that out. But that, was, that one's that's too in. funny. <laughs> it, except for, you know, we can't do the whole... They're yeah. not going to understand. <laughs> yeah. For those of you listening, he shoved his hand out at me, his finger out at me, and told like, me to hold on in a panic. <laughs> the look of panic on his face before he sneezed was priceless. Well, I tried to catch you before you started a sentence so you could so you could slice it out. But no. I don't even know what I was saying. We need a new heart. Yeah, new Something's heart. Something's wrong. That's exactly I was like, don't do it, don't do it. Oh, no. <laughs> new heart. Basically, the point I was trying to make is that the, the, God's definition of righteousness and holiness is not the problem. Our inability because of our bad heart is the, to keep it is the problem. And that's what he's correcting here. Mm-hmm. Through Jesus, through the work of the Spirit, that's what he's correcting. So naturally, that should probably lead to a, a desire to do things his way. It shouldn't lead to a completely irreverent faith built upon licentiousness. And we'll get into that next week. That's why starting at verse 17 is very important because Paul gets some very, very strong language toward those that would define his grace as a license to sin. He's very strong about this and harshly rebukes it. So we need to take him seriously. But for now, let's pull the needle off the record. Final thoughts, starting with you, Chris. All right into it. Uh, So while I was studying this out, I just kept coming back to the same uh, verse and it, it wasn't even from what we were reading, but um, a lot of people will, will recognize it when they hear it. It's from uh, Matthew 22. It's verse 37. It's when Jesus replies to the Pharisees that are trying to trap him and they ask him, what's the most important command? And he says, uh, love, the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So, and I just, I kept, they kept coming up in my head, and I didn't know why until just the other day I was listening to a different podcast, and they, they brought up a very good point. I think we tend to see people as, our brothers in Christ, but we don't view them as a vessel of the Lord. And I think when we start doing that, when we start realizing that every person has the potential or is a vessel of the Lord, then we love them differently than if we were loving another human being. I mean, imagine if somebody were to plunk a vase down on this table and you knew emphatically that that had Christ in it would we not like put that in a safe and protect it and love it and cherish it and take care of it? And now imagine if we, if we transpose that to a person, which, cause what we just studied, we are all vessels of Christ. We all have that potential to have them in our heart. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying in the beginning, Sonny is it nobody ever, I don't think that's taught enough that we are, vessels of the Lord. The Lord is within us. And and it's until we start loving each other as not just brothers and sisters in Christ, but as vessels of the Lord, I I don't I don't think we're gonna reach that next level. So that was an awesome final thought, buddy. <laughs> oh man. You should have gone last. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh actually uh it it brings me to Philippians. Um I went to 
uh, it's the the thought process. Um, I'm going to start off in four seven. Um, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, med meditate upon these things. That. That is the scripture that really carried me into my negative thought processes, my negative mindsets. And um, it changed me. It changed me substantially. And going back into the um, Ephesians 4, uh, what was it? Ephesians 4, verse... I forgot where we were at. <laughs> um, the new man. Yeah, the, the new self. Ephesians 4, 23 and 24 is the last ones that we read. So yeah. that was the new self. So, uh, you know, it goes into, um, you know, your thought processes. And, you know, whenever you start changing your thought processes, it, it becomes a different, a different world. I mean, you see things differently, mm -hmm. you know, I see people differently. Yeah. And it goes into, you know, what you were saying, Chris, you know, you, you see people different and then you love people different. And then even you start loving the ones that, that are easily loved. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's some people that are just easily loved and there's some people that are just really hard to love. And God shows you how to love them. And, you know, it, I haven't really come across that problem yet. And I know I will you know that, that, that test is going to come one of these days and I already know it, but you know, there's, there's people that are easily loved and then there's people that are hard to love and you still have to love them and you, you have to love them where they are, you know? And, um, all this, it, it's all about that change, you know, being able to have that love and show love to those people that are hard to. And it comes down to, are you going to make the choice to love them or not? Mm -hmm. oh, that's my final thought. <laughs> I just want to share this because it's too cool. I have a, a friend from Africa, Lubia, and he sends me, he writes daily devotions and he's told me before, he doesn't send them to everybody, you know, when he feels the the spirit pressing to send them to a specific person, he does. Every single time he sent me one, it's like directly relative to what I'm, what I'm going through. Mm -hmm. Like even the wording he uses will be something that I had on my heart or mind or a, a scripture passage that I had just turned straight to. It's, it's uncanny, mm -hmm. right? The, the things, and he had, he sent me, he, you know, I didn't hear from him for a while. I say, he, unless he feels pressed, he doesn't send them. The last few days, he sent me one every single day. And it's been like that every day, except yesterday, or I guess it was actually this morning. I got the the newest one. And I, no, it was last night. I'm sorry, because their time's different there. But uh, last night, I'm like, I'm reading it. And I'm like, you know, this is good, but I don't I don't really see the connection on this one for some reason. You know, I always do. I, I get to where I expect it. Mm -hmm. And then I don't see it. I'm like, oh, well, that was, 
a letdown compared to the other ones. He always starts with a scripture passage and then writes his devotion off that, his scripture passage that he sent me yesterday, Philippians 4.8. <laughs> God wink. Oh, oh. Yeah. There it is again. There it is again. We have too many of these. It's, you never have too many of them, buddy. You know what I mean. Yeah, no, like, I know. It, there's just, there's been a lot of them there's in a, been short, a, lot. a short amount of time. It's overwhelming. Huh. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Micah? It's important not just to know the truth, but how we say it. Yes. I mean, we've summarized that over and over again. We've, we can speak, we can know the truth and be biblical in our thinking and our thought process, but be hateful in our judgment. There's times that we say things to people that are so harsh and so dogmatic, and then our response was, well, it's the truth. <laughs> yeah. well, just, may, just saying. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it may be the truth, but it's definitely not, definitely not, not in love. Yeah. And so I think there is a time to speak the truth. There is a time, like you said earlier, the truth does hurt and the truth is uncomfortable. But I think doing it in a spirit of love, people will recognize that as not being a judgmental or dogmatic or I'm better than you, holier than thou type attitude. And and they may they'll they'll come back they'll come back around and realize, you know what, they did that, did that in love. I needed that. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, I guess I'm the last one. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the theme of of renovation and remodel has been coming up a lot for me this week, which is pretty typical. When we land on a topic, I'll see that topic all over the place, you mm -hmm. know. But uh, I was I was sitting at a table with a couple with a friend of mine and, and somebody he was friends with, and they were telling a story. And it was the 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 gentleman's father. He lived here in town, and I guess his house was really run down, run down bad. And they said a couple years ago we had that really bad cold snap here in Missouri, really bad cold snap. And in his own house, the insulation was, was so bad. It was so run down and the insulation was so bad and he couldn't afford heat that he got frostbite sleeping in his own home, mm. not even out in the element, sleeping in his own home, bad enough that he lost a part of both feet. Oh, they wow. had to amputate. It got, it got that bad. Mm. And it really got me thinking about the importance of renovation. You know, I think that's what we let our spiritual home become sometimes. You know, th there's a spiritual war for your soul raging all around you, and it is unabating. You know, whether you feel its impact or not, it's there. You know, if, you know the, the enemy's after you. There is a freezing, biting cold on the outside of your home, and that's why it's so important to let the Spirit come in as the contractor to renovate, to keep you safe, to dwell there with you, to keep the enemy out, to keep the cold out, to keep it from biting you and cutting you and tearing you to pieces. It's very, very important that we allow him to do, to do the work in us because it's not just about, about, it's not just about him wanting his way in your life. He does, but it's not just about that. It's about him protecting you. He wants his way in your life because it's for your greater good. And he knows better than you. You may not be in a place where you can see that it's for your greater good now, but it is. He knows best and he's trying to do the best for you, even when it's uncomfortable at the time. And you just need to surrender to that process and let him do his work. Surrender to the process. Put your house upon the foundation that can only be laid on Jesus Christ and let him build that, that, that home that he wants for you on that foundation. And understand that it's going to lead to a change in you, or should. It should lead to a change, and you need to surrender to that change and walk that out. Because that's going to shine a brighter light then you know you can you can quote every scripture that there is. You can memorize every book of book of the Bible, but if you're not walking it out, 
if you're not walking the light, means nothing. Your knowledge and your ability to, to spit out information at people means nothing if you're not walking in love. That is the principal thing. That's all hey, I got. You know what's awesome? What's that? What was Jesus? What was he? Carpenter. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't put that together. Very cool. Yeah. I was just sitting Master here, builder. Yeah. I was just sitting here thinking about it, and I'm like, we started talking about renovating the house and everything else, and what was Jesus? He was a carpenter. <laughs> so cool. In the spirit of love, Chris, here's my outro card. Oh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. kinda, I'm, I'm wondering how close mine was going to be to this. We'll see. <laughs> That's not it. <laughs> Try to read it naturally so people don't know you're reading off a card. Even well, though I, was I just start, I was, said out loud, I handed you a card. Well, I was going to say, I was going to start off with, what's up, guys and gals? And I'm like, that's not it. No, yeah, look further down. <laughs> that's the start of it. To all of you out there in podcast land, we want to thank you so much for listening. We hope it's been a blessing. For any questions, comments, or feedback, you can find us on Facebook or email us at brokenrecordministries.com. Nope, not .com, at gmail.com. Say that again. Brokenrecordministries at gmail.com. Again, this has been a publication of Broken Record Ministries, and we will catch you on the flip side. God bless. Shalom. Pursue Christ. See ya. I give that outro a 4 out of 10. What about you, Sonny? (laughs) 4.2. 4.2. Micah? That wasn't bad. It'll be better next week. I'll bring my own material next week. <laughs> I hope so. It, it needs improvement. I, I'm still on the <laughs> on the fence about the whole ad, the last comment thing. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I just don't know. Oh see yeah, ya. you're you're wrapping up. Yeah, it, it it's see ya because we're on the radio. He's a king. He's coming back for righteous war to establish it. Yeshua, I'm a you my lord i confess it if i die in battle for you that'd be a beautiful blessing i got the fire in me ain't no retiring i'ma keep looking skyward while i shoot it's the way that you hardwired me ain't either way i know i'm hitting my target a train shooter i know i'm just supposed to aim at the darkness where i breathe asap nikki gracious we warrior two could never stand against us if the lord be for us i'm ready you can tell that i'm already